0: Well, today, as I said, we're going to continue in this "His Victory Is My Victory" uh, series. And uh, last week, I'll just recap Easter real quickly. Jesus has power over sin and death, and through Jesus, we have power over sin and death. That's what that's what the whole premise was. And so, when we talk about Jesus's victory on the cross and in His resurrection he proves that he is stronger than sin because he defeated it on the cross. And he proves that he is more powerful than death because he rises from the grave in his own power. And Jesus has now made himself available to us through his spirit that we can also overcome sin and overcome death. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at Uh, We're going to begin to look at different uh, forms of spiritual warfare in our lives. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to look at uh, what I would argue is one of the greater depictions of spiritual warfare for an individual in their life. And so today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. And if you are unaware of the passage we're going to look at today, we're going to look at Jesus uh, being tempted by the devil. Literally, that's, I mean, that is this, that Jesus being tempted by the devil himself doesn't say demonic forces. It says the devil, the big man, the big honcho shows up to tempt Jesus. Why? Because the stakes are too high. If Jesus is able to achieve what his purposes were when he came to this earth. And obviously we know that the devil failed. So we're going to look into that today and we're going to talk about it. Let's pray. Jesus, would you be with me? God, would you help me? God, I recognize that in my weakness that you can shine all the more. So, God, I pray today that you would shine. God, that you're, you would speak to hearts and minds. God, that as I speak, people may even interpret or hear what they need to hear today because of your spirit speaking. You know, what I'm I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Matthew chapter four, beginning in verse one, it says, Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Can anybody say amen to that? I would be pretty hungry after 40 days and 40 nights of not eating. If I skip one meal, I get pretty hungry. Uh, But Jesus has gone 40 days and 40 nights. Now, when we look at this passage of Scripture today, there are a lot of different things that we, I'm going to be honest with you, we might not like. Um, In fact, I would argue that there was something that I, that in this passage, I was uh, having a conversation with somebody this week who said that, you know, they grew up Christian, they went to church, they went to Christian college. But at some point, they wrestled with something and they couldn't reconcile it in their mind. And so they turned from their faith. And in that moment, I was just like heartbroken. I was heartbroken because I was like, you, you don't understand. And I began, this, this is straight up what happened. I began to share and began to talk and somebody walks up and this person bolted out of the conversation. And I was just, mm. why? I don't know why that happened. But I know when we wrestle with difficult topics, some of us can go a little too far because we don't understand and then we get frustrated. I'm going to tell you today, we're going to talk a little bit about that. So the first thing we have to wrestle with is this. The devil does the tempting, but Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. The Spirit led Jesus to be tempted now this is this is one of those things where're like, well why why would God why would God lead somebody into a place where they're going to be tempted well here's how i'm going to explain it i'm going to make it simple now this is not this is not this simple, but this is how the best way I can describe it to you um, If you are somebody who has to work in a physical job, um, or you're somebody who wants to do, you know, run a marathon, uh, if you're somebody who wants to lift a certain amount of weight, uh, you would know that you have to train in order to be able to do what you need to do for that job. Um, You know, I hate running. Um, I can no longer run. God has honored that through car accidents. I can't run anymore. So thank you, Jesus. No. Um, No. So I I hated running. I've always hated running. Um, But one of the things is I played sports. (laughs) So I had to run. I had to run. And the thing was our school, our school was on this huge property where we had this perimeter of the school property, uh, which was about a mile and a half long. If you ran the perimeter of the property, it'd be about a mile and a half. And uh, at the beginning, right after football season, it would be winter, so we wouldn't do the perimeter. But once spring hit, we would weight lift, and then we would do, we would do cardio training. And so we would run the perimeter. And uh, there were some times where we would just, everybody does their own thing. You run the perimeter, and as a lineman, you are, you know, minutes behind the people who are in the front, <laughs> and that's okay. But then there were times where we would do something, and forgive me, but it was, we called it an Indian run. And what that was was everybody was in a line. Everybody was running together, and we'd be jogging one pace, and then the person in the back would have to sprint to the front of the line, and then they'd keep jogging, and then the person in the back would have to sprint to the front of the line, and then you'd keep jogging, the person in the back, and it was just nonstop, okay? Now, here's the problem with this. I don't know why, but they never let linemen set the pace. (laughs) So we would be jogging. And then as a lineman, I'd have to sprint to the front. I'm already sprinting. <laughs> I'm already running as hard as I can, and I've got to get to the front of this line. Here's the problem that I ran into over time, is I learned that that perimeter in the spring was really hard. And I hated when coach said, all right, we're doing perimeters. But by the time the end of summer hit, because I had been running and because I had been training, I could run that perimeter without a problem. When Jesus is led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted, Jesus is going into training mode. Jesus is going to encounter obstacles, which he is going to face in that moment to prepare him for the temptations that he will face in his life. You know, I don't, I don't work a blue collar job. I kind of do, but not like most people when they say blue collar, I do weird things, but not to the extent. Um, I think about firemen, right? You got to haul a lot of heavy equipment around. You got to be able to get up and down things. You got to be able to move in ways that most people don't regularly move. Um, A person getting off the street, trying to be a fireman without any training physically to prepare themselves for the job, is not going to be in for a fun ride. Why? Because they have to go through training, they have to endure to be ready to go. So when Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, we have to understand that the Spirit of God has purpose in Jesus's life, and Jesus is going to come across many moments in his life where he will face great temptation, he will face great spiritual warfare, and therefore he must endure training in order to be able to be ready for what is to come. Notice that this is the beginning of Jesus's ministry. Before Jesus is walking the streets, before Jesus is ministering to people, laying hands on them, he's led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. So other things I want to pull from this is God is in control. If the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, I'm pretty sure that God is in control of you when you're walking through a difficult season as well. He doesn't lead you into temptation that you are unable to overcome either, does he? You see, uh, if if you're in the church world, you may have heard phrases recently where God will never give you something that you can't handle. Anybody ever heard something like that? And then there was this pushback a few years ago where it's like, uh, that's not true. Here's, Here's the truth of it. God will never give you something that you can't handle without him. That's the true statement. Why? Because if nothing is impossible for God, then there's no circumstance and there's no opposition and there's no temptation that you cannot overcome without the Spirit of God helping you through it. I mean, that's just what it comes down to. All right. Then the third thing that we're going to pull from this is Jesus had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights before the temptation. So Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Jesus has an understanding of what is to come. Jesus isn't just sitting idly by on the couch watching TV going, I'm waiting for the devil to show up. Jesus says, hey, what I'm going to do is I'm going to fast for 40 days and 40 nights in preparation for what the enemy is going to bring to me in that moment. Now, this isn't fasting like when we hear intermittent fasting, right? Where I'm just, I'm not going to eat food. No, Jesus is fasting and he's spending time with the Father. So he is denying his physical self, the food, and he is spending time with Je- with the, not with Jesus. Obviously, he is Jesus. He's spending time with the Father in prayer so that he is in tune with what God is speaking. He's spending time with the Spirit, creating this communion with him so that when the devil comes, he is more spiritually aware, though he is physically hungry. I think all too often the problems that we face when we come into seasons of temptation or seasons of trial is we haven't fasted, we haven't prayed, we haven't been reading our Bible, we haven't prepared Right? Because when things are good, we get lulled to sleep. When things are good, we're just like, ah, everything's fine. I'm okay. And then something comes and we're like, oh, man, I need to to get to church. I need to get back in my relationship with Jesus. I need to get back in the Word. Folks, take a note from Jesus. (laughs) Trouble will come. It's going to come. Prepare for it. Prepare for it. All right. Next verse, Uh, after this, he may be physically, more spiritually aware. Great. Verse three, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. What we're going to dive in today is we're going to look at temptation and what the devil is trying to throw at you. So the first thing that we have to understand in that verse, the tempter came to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus is what? He's hungry. Sorry, we already know this. He's hungry. The devil says, hey, I know that you're craving something, and I'm here to give you what you crave. Anybody ever been tempted by a craving? Right? And in this moment, we're talking about like food. We're tempted, Jesus is being tempted with food. Um, We're talking, but we're talking way beyond that, right? You've been tempted by a sexual craving. You've been tempted by a relational craving. You've been tempted by the devil to consume something maybe good for you, right? It's okay to eat bread. It's good. Well, I can't eat bread, but it's okay, right? In case you didn't know, sex is good, okay? In the confines of marriage. It's good. It's healthy. You should celebrate it, right? But we have cravings that take us beyond what we should be experiencing and the way that God designed things and we recognize there's a problem. So the devil tempts people with what we crave for. So sometimes it's, I just need a friend. Um, You ever ever like just, (sighs) not everybody's this way. Some of you are extroverts and you're friends with everybody and things are good. Um, I kind of envy you. I also kind of don't because I don't want that life. Um, I, I love people, but like I, I need my alone time. Uh, but you ever met somebody who's just like so desperate for a relationship, whether it's a friendship or whether it's like a significant other, right? They're so desperate they'll just settle for anything. Like, it just breaks your heart, right? Like when I I just watch people, I watch people and they're just like, I just want a boyfriend. I just want a girlfriend. I just need a friend. I just, I fill in the blank. And the problem is that when you, when you become and you just get these deep, deep cravings, the problem is those cravings can lead us into abusive relationships. They can lead us into places that we never wanted to be because we just so desperately want That. be aware of your cravings, right? And we all have different cravings, right? I mean, some of you are like, I don't have any problems with my relationships. My relationships are healthy. You know, I I have more friends. Great. If not, it's fine. I'm happy where I am. You know, that's great. You're probably not going to crave a relationship in that with that problem. You're just not going to, you know, sexual cravings. You have to be aware of your state, physical, like, You know, I'm just going to be real. Food cravings that can lead you down a dark path, right? And I say dark path like some of you like that sounds ridiculous. Well, that's great because you don't struggle with that. There's so many different areas. And so be aware of your cravings because the, the devil will tempt you with them. Jesus answered though, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Jesus here, he quotes from Deuteronomy chapter eight in verse three. He's quoting from scripture. This is what Jesus does in response to the devil. He quotes scripture. Now again, understand, is bread bad? No. But Jesus has a purpose. His purpose in this moment is I'm fasting and I'm praying and I'm in tune with the Father and I'm aware of what's going on and the devil is trying to feed a craving, but I'm aware that that craving is not something that I should consume in this moment. Therefore, I'm going to reject it. So how do I reject it? Well, I reject it with Scripture, and I say, man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. I'm pretty sure Jesus knows this because he just spent 40 days and 40 nights not consuming any food. He's living on what? His Father's strength, the Word of God. Physical cravings are powerful. You wonder why we have an addiction problem in our world today. I, it, you shouldn't wonder why. You shouldn't wonder why. It's powerful. Physical cravings are so much more than physical. They're emotional. They're mental. They're tied to things that we don't understand. And on top of on top of the science, right? Because there is science behind addiction. There is science with understanding why people crave things. On top of that, now we recognize there's this spiritual warfare taking place where the enemy is trying to also keep you addicted and feed you things that are terrible for you. Folks, our our lives are being fought against at all times. What we talked about last week, the devil is a liar. He is a roaring lion. He is on the prowl. He is cunning and he is your enemy. That's what the scripture says. He is your enemy. He is out to get you. He is out to destroy you. The thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. Here the devil tempts. I'm sorry, verse five. We're going to jump to the next one. But the devil isn't done, right? Because it's not just a craving. Oh, cool. Pastor Julie texted me. Friends just met from school. That's cool. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So here the devil tempts Jesus in another way. This is not a craving. I don't have a craving to jump off of a ledge. That sounds crazy right? But what the devil does is he tempts Jesus based on his identity. He says, hey, if you are the son of God, just throw yourself off of here and let the angels come and attend to you. Well, and also I noticed if you didn't pick up on it, the devil did what? He used scripture. The devil's aware of scripture and he's cunning enough to use it against you. So when you look at that passage of scripture, what's actually taking place is it says, in all thy ways, in regards to in obedience to God, but the devil leaves that part out. So he says, in all thy ways, he will command his angels concerning you and lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Well, when he omits in all thy ways, in regards to walking out God's plan for your life, he's going to protect you. I'm pretty sure walking in obedience to the devil is not in God's plans, but he does what he wants to do and manipulates Scripture to try to manipulate. So, Jesus answers, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. So, Satan quotes Psalm 91. Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 6.16. What's amazing about this passage of Scripture to me is I recognize, man, the devil really tempts on identity pretty often, right? Because we recognize craving temptations. They're pretty easy to recognize, right? It's pretty easy to go, I shouldn't have that. It's pretty easy to go, I shouldn't do that. I recognize the consequences of my actions if I feel that craving. I, it's easy to spot. Am I, am I wrong here? Okay, but now that the devil does is he goes beyond that temptation craving, and he begins to tempt based on identity. So for Jesus, he says, hey, if you are who you say you are, then you can do this. So why don't you do that? What's amazing about the devil today is he's still <laughs> attacking identities, yeah. causing us to question who we are. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I mean, I could go down the list of things that we begin to question in our identity. So, again, you have what you see in regards to identity problems, right? And what our world is, what our world is teaching, you know. You are who you say you are. You, you walk out that plan. You walk out whatever you desire. But what we recognize in the scriptures is that the devil is literally tempting you to walk in opposition to your identity. Whom God says you are. We need to be aware of this. Um, so again, you have, you have what you see but you also have the things that you can't see. So, you know, as a Christian, you might be tempted by the devil in regards to your identity to do something. Um, (laughs) Man, this is going to sound stupid, but I'm just going to be real. Um, Man, how foolish, not foolish, I shouldn't say foolish, that's not the right word. Um, (laughs) If you are a child of God, you will share this. Or repost this. Um, I don't need to share or post anything. Um I don't I don't I, I don't need to prove myself based on what I post on social media. Um it's pretty sticking obvious that I'm a follower of Jesus based on how I live, how I talk, and the things that I do and say. Um if, if, if you're a child of God, then you will do this. As a, church, as a person who goes to church, you will do fill in the blank. Um, now, you might not struggle with this as much, but as a pastor, I get people all the time be like, I can't believe a pastor would do that. Um, excuse me. We're not all the same people. Um, you, I, I tell you, you go to every church in this town and every single pastor is different you got every church in this town, and all our churches are different, but we all serve a risen Savior. We're all different. We're all unique. Therefore, I don't have to prove anything to anybody because the fruit of my life will show itself. Am I loving people because of what the Spirit of God is doing? Yeah. Is there joy in my life based on what the Spirit of God is doing? Yeah. Is that, I mean, this is what's happening. Fruit of the Spirit is developing and showing. I don't have to do any specific thing to prove my identity and who I am in Christ. The fruit is proving it for you anyway. So there's that, but then there's the temptation of the identity to begin to question your identity in Jesus. Am I, does God really have a plan for me? Does He really love me? Does He really care for me? Is He really looking after me? Is He listening? I mean, these, these, are, these are questions that the devil's going to tempt you with because he's not only going to tempt you with cravings, he's going to tempt you with your identity and who you are in Christ. And as we sang earlier today, we are who he says we are. We are who he says we are. I'm a child of God. I am saved. I've been set free from sin. I've been, I'm no longer bound by the law. I am free in Jesus from sin and I have been redeemed and I have been saved from death. Amen. That is what, you are so Satan will do what he needs to do to get you to reject what God has done in you so he'll tempt you you are secure in Jesus Christ you know you don't need to question that but he'll try to make you notice that the first two temptations the devil kind of ups the ante right he goes from cravings to identity and Jesus responds simply with the word of God because the word of God is alive it's active it's powerful it's it's transforming uh, for our perspective, and it also transforms circumstances. You know, one of the things that I was I was reflecting on this week, and I remember reading it from Charles Spurgeon uh, when he's talking about prayer and he's talking about temptation. And this is not a direct quote because I tell you, I read it. There's no way I could find that thing because I read all the time. Uh, he said, uh, how sad that often when we face temptation, we are not aware of the verse we might need because we have not spent time in the scriptures that we need to on a regular basis. What is Spurgeon saying? He's saying we need to prepare for the moments of trial, prepare for the moments of temptation, so that the word of God is hidden in your heart, so that you aren't trying to go to Google or trying to pull out your Bible and hope that it falls open to the right page and you can go, oh, that's the word for me in this moment. No, no, no. But because you have spent time in God's word on a consistent basis, you can recall things like, you can recall things like, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pasture." You can can recall things like, and God works all things together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. So in the midst of this battle that I face, everything's okay. You you can recall things like Jesus says that in this world you will have trouble, but to fear not, for I have overcome the world. You you can have scriptures like Hebrews Hebrews chapter 4. He is our great high priest who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet is without sin. So let us come to the throne of grace. I'm sorry, let us come to his throne expecting mercy and grace. Listen, again, those are not word for word, but they're hidden in here, and I can recall them like that in the moment of need. All right. So as as we walk into all of these things, what we have to understand is that we should not be caught unprepared when we face temptations and trials. Instead, when things are good, we prepare. We get ready. Now, Jesus's temptation is not over. He's fought the cravings and won. He's fought the identity crisis and won. As I don't know why I didn't say identity crisis till now, because that's just an easy way to describe it. Verse 8, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Now, this temptation is grand. It is powerful. If you don't recognize this temptation in our world today, I can't help you. I, I want to be an influencer. I want to be in power. I want to be in authority. I want people to know my name. I want people to know my face. What is Jesus' temptation here? All of this I will give you. There's a lot of people who just want to be given things in life right now, right? We want the fame. We want the power. We want the authority. We want to be in control. We want people to recognize us. We want to be social media famous. Man, I'm so old that I. I (laughs) So the temptation is grand. It's big. But there are some things about this temptation that just make me laugh. If I'm going to be real honest with you. So again, the first part is there's no more obvious temptation in our world today. Other than those, those two. The temptation with your identity crisis and the temptation in regards to authority and power. That people are just driven to right now. Um, You know, I I used to volunteer in the middle school and because of COVID, I can't anymore. But like the things that kids, Jeremy, your age are thinking about doing with their life really makes me sad. Because there are not many who are like, this is the job I want. Though there are some. But I hear things like, I want to play video games for a living. And people will watch my videos. Because that is a thing. People make money doing that. I want to be I want to be an influencer. I want to live my life and put it on video for the world to see, and people watch it and they'll make money off of that. This is a temptation that will have you walk down a path that will lead you to destruction. You know, I, I look at when you look at uh, social media fame, there are people who have made it last a long time, right? I mean, there are people who are who are just, you know, they've had years now of, of su- sustained success and they're doing well. But for the most part, you see people pop up and then they fall off. They get their 15 minutes of fame, right? Cliche wise, they get their 15 minutes of fame and then everything falls apart. And they build this life based on their 15 minutes of fame. And then they recognize that they shouldn't. I've taken that. The other thing that I recognize from this passage, as I said before, last week in 1 Peter 1, I'm sorry, First Peter, uh, we read about Satan being a liar. Um, The devil is not the one in control. And yet he tempts Jesus (laughs) and says, I'll give you all of this. Um, the, the, the devil will tempt you with things he cannot give you. I'm going to say that one more time. The devil will tempt you with things he cannot give you. He can't fulfill his promises. He's a liar. So God being in control, he certainly allows the devil to roam. I and mean, we we read in Job, which we're going to get to one of these other weeks. We read in Job about how Satan is roaming about the earth, looking and seeking to destroy and do all this stuff. And God says, well, what about my servant Job? Like he's, he's faithful, he's honorable, he's, he's in relationship with me and things are good. He's at, and the devil says, well, because you have allowed these things to take place in his life. And then God says, okay, well, you can do this, but don't do this. I assure you that even in the midst of temptation and trial, God is still in authority and in control. And we're going to talk about Job, I said, in a few weeks, so I'm not going to dive into that. But the other thing that we pull from this passage of scripture, in verse 10, Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Once again, Jesus uses scripture to combat the enemy's temptation. But the other thing that Jesus does in this moment is he not only resists temptation, but he resists the devil himself. He resists the devil himself, which we talked about last week, James 4, 7. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You see, all too often we don't recognize that we are in a battle, and so we resist the temptation. But what happens when we just resist temptation? Temptation just comes back and smacks us in the face even harder. What Jesus teaches here in this depiction of this narrative is this. He says, not only resist temptation, but resist the devil himself. Now, what does that mean for us? That means we need to be be aware of what is taking place in our life. So we go, listen, not only am I no longer going to question who I am, I'm going to believe who Jesus is, but I also recognize in this moment that there is a battle taking place in my mind, in my heart right now. And so what I'm going to do is, devil, I see you. I don't know who you are, I don't know what you're doing, but you're done. And what happens is when you make yourself aware of that, then when the temptation comes back, how much easier it is to resist because you've spoken it and you recognize what is taking place. The first part of actually winning a battle is recognizing you're in a battle. How many of you have lost because you haven't recognized you were playing? I remember as a kid, we would do things like we would say we would race, you know, We would race to the car. We would race to get shotgun. We would race to just places. But there would be moments sometimes where um, I would do this to my sisters all the time. Caleb does it to his sibling. Micah is the worst at this. Micah does it all the time. They would race to a specific location, but he wouldn't say it's a race. And he'd get there and he would say, I won. (laughs) That's what spiritual warfare often looks like. It's what it looks like because you're unaware of what's taking place. And I'm here to tell you that my prayer for this whole series, my prayer is that our eyes and our ears would be open, that we would become more spiritually aware so that when the devil is tempting you, when the devil is putting you through a trial, when you're walking through a tough season, your eyes and your ears are open and aware. Listen, this week for me and my wife and my family was really not fun. It just wasn't fun. Um, there was mental battles that took place. There were physical battles that took place. There were relational battles that took place all in the midst of the week. And I recognize that that's going to happen in the course of this series because I'm teaching on spiritual warfare. And so as I'm teaching on spiritual warfare, understand your pastor is going to go through stuff and you're going to go through stuff as well. But the purpose of this is to open our eyes and ears to understand that there is reasoning behind it. See, it's better to know you're in a battle because we all are, any, we're already there anyway. Yeah. The devil's already out to get you. He's already out to destroy you. So why don't you just become aware of it so that you can resist him and resist his temptations and resist the trial. So what Jesus does, he resists the devil. He says, go away. And what happens? He goes away. Verse 11, then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. Worship team, can you come this morning? The other thing I want to share here is this. Some of you are going to go, Oh, that's awesome. Um, For me, uh, you know, I'm not a big, listen, again, you know this, if you've been here a long time, I don't talk about angels, like all the time. I just don't do it. Um, They're real. I just don't talk about it. I'm always pointing people to Jesus, right? Angels are messengers. They are servants of God, and they are there to do what he says to do, okay? But here's one of the things that you have to understand about angels. They're not omnipresent. They are where they are. They're not like God, they're not everywhere as in regards to an individual angel, okay? (laughs) But when we get to verse 11 here and it says, then, then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. I'm here to tell you something. God is with you in the midst of your temptation. He is with you in the midst of your temptation. Just as the Father was there, as Jesus was being tempted by the devil, God is with you when you walk through trial and when you walk through, tem- walk through temptation. So therefore, make yourself aware of that. The Holy Spirit is readily available to you in your moment of darkness. You will still have to endure the trial. You will still have to endure the temptation. But he's there. Now, Here's the next part. There are angels on standby, ready to minister. They're ready. They're there. You see, we don't... When you're going through a difficult season or a difficult moment or a difficult year or two years, um, the one thing the devil will do to you is make you feel alone can I just, can I testify to that? Like, you just feel alone in your trial. You feel alone in your temptation. You feel alone in the difficult moments of your life. That's the devil lying to you. You are not alone. That's another reason why you need to be a part of a church on a consistent basis to understand that there will be people who will surround you and say, listen, in the midst of your difficult time, there are people here to encourage you and support you. And not be weird about it, Right? Listen, we talk about that all the time as a church. Let's not be weird. Let's not be weird, all right? There's enough weird people in our world. We don't have to be weird. So when we we walk through difficult times, though, we are being tempted to feel alone but what God has made himself available to us through his Holy Spirit so that we are empowered in the midst of our dark time, in the midst of our trial, in the midst of our temptation, but also he has angels on standby to minister to you once you overcome it. Uh, I'm trying to think. Well, I'll do this and then I'll share a quick story and then we'll go to this. So as we wrap up this message today, first thing. Jesus prepared for the battle. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. This isn't just he abstained from food. He prayed. He sought the Father. He spent time with the Father so that he was ready for the battle. Number two, Jesus used the Word of God as his weapon. We must understand that the Word of God is alive and powerful and active, and it is sharper than any double-edged sword. Therefore, spend time in his Word. Listen to it. There are apps. Just go to you, you version. Just listen to your Bible in the car if that's what you have to do. But do something to engage with the Word of God because it will transform your perspective on life and it will transform you from the inside out. Number three, the devil will tempt you first with things you crave. Once you overcome that, he's going to tempt your identity Then he's going to tempt you with authority. Be aware and don't let pride find you out. And then my final thing is Jesus' victory over temptation can be your victory as well. His victory can be your victory if you follow His leading, if you prepare for the battle, if you spend time with Jesus, if you're aware of what is taking place. Like I said, I'll share a brief story and then I'll, we'll turn to just a song real quick. When I was in college, um, it would have been my sophomore year. My sophomore year, no, um, you know, I'm, I'm aware, I'm, I'm mentally aware of the Spirit of God in my life. Um, I'm also, like, tangibly aware in this, in this unique way, I guess would be the way I would describe it. Um, but in my sophomore year, I came back to college one time. I, I believe it was the fall, so it would have been like I came back from, from Thanksgiving break, and I got to my dorm room, and I just felt more alone than I'd ever felt in my entire life. It was almost as if like, it was almost as if the presence of God had been removed. Okay? Now obviously was the presence of God there. Yes. So the way I describe it is it felt like that you know, I'm still praying and I'm still asking God and I'm worshiping and I'm doing all these things. And, you know, you, you go to worship and it's just like, I got, I don't feel you. I don't feel you. And then I remember I went to, this would have been months later. I end up going to this retreat with this youth group that I had not even planned on going to. Uh, my roommate Bo was like, Hey, I'm going with this. Cause I like this girl. And uh, you want to come with me? I was like, sure. And I get there and they're like, Oh, you can sing. Uh, will you lead some songs for worship? Now, like, these are like top musicians. They're like, would you sing? And I was like, uh, like, no, you're good enough. Let's do it. So I'm like, well, also, I'm walking through this difficult season in my life right now, right? So when you're walking through difficult seasons, you don't really want to do anything. So I begin to worship and I, you know, I lead a few songs. And then I remember one time I'm, I'm sitting in the back corner sitting in the back corner of the room and i'm just praying and i'm i'm just asking god like god i I don't i still like it's been months and i still feel alone i feel like i'm in the dark place that i cannot sense you i cannot feel you i'm not aware physically of you and then right so this is the identity crisis God, I, just, I don't know who I am. I don't, I don't understand. And so I just, I just speak out in prayer. And I say, God, if I never feel you again for the rest of my life, I will still worship you for who you are. I will still live my life in the calling that you have given me, whether I feel you or not. And in that moment, Spirit rushes back, and the God that I felt, though He hadn't abandoned, ministered to me. I just became so overwhelmed to the point where now, here I am, 15 years later, and I will still never forget that moment. Church, when you overcome. The temptation when you resist the devil, the Spirit of God is ready to minister, the angels are ready to minister, and it will transform your outlook not just for that moment but for life. This morning, we're going to sing this song. And I encourage this is the way, we're going to do this normally. We have a song of reflection, and you can sit, you can do whatever you want, but we're going to sing this together. So, would we'll you stand this morning? as we sing this song in closing. God, in the midst of our battle, in the midst of temptation, may we recognize who you are and may we sing this song in faith, knowing that you are there to help us in the midst of our difficult moments. You Him I pray.